sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is, in the, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sin, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. You got all that? Good. All right, chapter 6. <laughs> now, the chap verse 12 to 21, or read it there, because this is the concluding argument of section number 1. Uh, the first section, the first five chapters of Romans, brings us to that issue of therefore being justified by faith. And we come to the concluding argument of this first section, and yet we also, this section serves as a transition into the second section of the book of Romans, chapter 6, 7, and 8, and the issue of sanctification. So in this section, there is a lot of information, and it's some, an information that is critical to, the, to our understanding uh, as we complete the first section because of it, it is addressing the issue of eternal security. And it is addressing the issues there of the guarantee. Now, we've seen already, as we've come through the first 11 verses of that guarantee, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith. All of this is a result of our justification. If you're not justified, you have to go back to chapter 1 and start over again and go down through the judgment issues and so forth and, the, and, and then the issue of Here's the propitiatorial act of Christ, which is Calvary. And then your responsibility is really to do nothing. Again, how much energy does it take to believe, some, to believe what the Word of God says? No energy at all. You just by faith believe and trust it, and, you're, and then you are justified. So Paul is assuming that you are justified. And he says, because you are justified by faith, we have. So here's some benefits. Here's the guarantee. Here's the security. So in verse 12, when he starts with wherefore, and, and we're going to kind of jump around in this section uh, and not really hit verse by verse by verse. Uh, we're going to spend the next couple weeks looking at this section because it is important because of the issue of our eternal security. 
And the fact is, is that there is a principle that God has established way back with Adam. And when he established this principle here, uh, then now we're going to look back to Adam. Paul, ta- Paul takes us back to Adam. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and in John, the, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, the 12 apostles, they take Israel back to Abraham. All right? They always they don't go back to Adam, they go back to Abraham. And then they go to Moses. But they go in Egypt, the Exodus out of Egypt, which is where the nation was born. But they'll drag back to Abraham. Paul takes us all the way back to the beginning because there's some things that God's establishing principle-wise, okay? Back there with Adam that impacts all the way down to us. All right? So it's going to be some important uh, doctrine here as we go through and to get into our understanding. Notice verse 12 starts with wherefore rather than therefore. Those are two different words. One, they're spelled differently, but there's an implication. When you read the therefore, what do you ask? What is the therefore? Therefore. What's the... It, it, what's the, the word therefore highlights the results or consequences of what was previously talked about. But wherefore comes along, and he's not about the results or the consequences. Rather, it's, it's going to come back and it's going to ask, what's the purpose? There's a purpose here. We're going to see that God has established a fundamental principle that goes all the way back to Adam and that makes possible the work and the application to the sinner, the issue of justification, all right? There's something that's going on here. And this really begins to become one of the strongest arguments regarding our assurance and our certainty of eternal life is right here in this section. And it has everything to do with this principle. And, we're, and it's got different names in theology. I was going to give them all to you and look all, you know, wise and all-knowing. You know, you'll hear federal headship or federal relations. And I'm, I'm like, why? You know, there's a, but there's an underlining principle, wherefore. So if you think about we're on a submarine and we're full speed ahead, we've been moving, haven't we? understanding-wise, and then all of a sudden the periscope goes up, and a periscope goes up, and what can you do? You can still be moving head, but you can begin to look around, and we're going to begin to look back. He takes us back to Adam. Notice that, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Well, where is that? (laughs) There's back to Genesis 3. There's Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. It goes all the way back to Genesis. And then he takes us into Moses in verse 14. Then he talks about, there in verse 14, the figure of him that was to come. There's the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he moves us to grace down in verse 20 and 21. So there's this periscope go, wherefore? We're going to look to the past, and we're going to see that God did something with Adam and why what he did, why he did it, and what he did was legal, was legit, was honest, was good. And just here as God dealt, look at verse 12. 
Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon how many men? All men, for that all have sinned. God dealt with all of humanity based on one person, who? Adam, okay? And by doing that, in regard to our justification unto, unto eternal life, what he's gonna, what he, by doing what he did with Adam, passing it on to all men, okay? Now when it comes to our justification on eternal life, he says, your individual independent actions, behaviors, has nothing to do with eternal life. Just like your actions have, and sins have nothing to do with who you are as a sinner. Your activities has nothing to do with the fact that you're a what? A sinner. That's who you are. And when it comes to eternal life, nothing that you do, your behavior, your attitude, your actions, your activities, isn't, isn't the basis of eternal life. The basis of eternal life is going to be who? The Lord Jesus Christ, one man. One man got us into problems, and one man over here is going to, he's going to not just rescue us, he's going to much more us. See, there's, we'll talk about that. I'm trying to get ahead of myself, okay? That's why this becomes one of the strongest arguments for eternal security because it has nothing to do with who and what, it has nothing to do with what you are doing. It has everything to do with who you are, okay? And there's a fundamental activity here that the Lord is, through Paul, going to demonstrate that like he has, like, we have a natural relationship with, with Adam, okay? We have, a, we have a wonderful thing called DNA. And you know what? We are all related. We go back to Noah, but we go back through Noah to who? Adam. We're all the sons of Adam. You know, that was Israel's problem. They thought they were good to go. But when the Lord walked in the earthly ministry, he kept looking at them saying, physically, descendant-wise, yeah, you're good, but spiritually, you're the sons of Adam. You got a sin problem, and you got to fix that. See, you and I, we don't have that relationship with God, the covenant thing that Israel did, but guess what we are? We are the sons of Adam. So by nature, we have a natural relationship with Adam. But guess what? If you're justified unto eternal life, you now have a natural relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a nature thing here, okay? Nature, natural, all right? There's a connection here that Paul is going to begin to make a connection with us that he did. The principle here of, of this natural relationship started with Adam, if you think about this, and again, you got to put your thinking caps on. I know it's Thanksgiving weekend and everybody's, you know, I got on the scale and this morning the scale said, please, one at a time. You know, you're just eating too much. You get on there. It's like, okay, you know, and, and you know, it's, <laughs> but it's Sunday morning and you can put your thinking caps on a little bit, okay? 
when you think about this relationship, it goes against our fleshly thinking, the way we would naturally as a man, a human. And by the way, when I say man, when we read here man, he's talking about humanity. He's not talking about men versus women, all right? It gets old when you have to explain that out, but because that's what people think. When you think about this, what does our natural response say? No, 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 that's unjust, that's unfair. My activity needs to count. I need to be involved in the equation. Remember when we went down through the first 11 verses, I told you, and actually chapter three and chapter four, your activity, you are not in this equation. The propitiatorial act of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was not propitiating and doing for you, he was doing for his father. Then he, he does the activity for, to, for, to his father, then he turns, Romans 3.25, and then he says, hey, now you believe on this, what I did, and we'll give you the same that I just did over here. See, we got this problem as humans to think we're in the equation, and God the Father, like, you ain't in, you, you were a bad, not even a bad thought when we did this. You just kind of showed up. We're going to let you participate in it by faith. We have to learn verse 5. Go back there to Rome, up to verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is what? Shed what? Abroad. Remember, we looked at verse 5. We went down through that. Shed, abroad. It comes in and flushes out all that negative old way of thinking. It comes in and flushes out, gets into every nook and corner. Shed abroad. It's, it gets into all the crevices, there, and it begins to clean up that old way of thinking. And we have to learn. We're in Romans 5. We're babes in Christ. We're learning. We have to learn how to think the way God thinks about us, ourselves. How does God look at you? We have to think about, we have to look at ourselves that way. How does God view you? He doesn't view you as that stinking, dirty, rotten sinner over there whose activities are, you know, whose good works are wonderful. By the time we come out of chapter 5, you ought to never think, never ever have across your mind that your good works are getting you anywhere except to make you feel good. That's it. They have no standing in the equation. We're to look at ourselves the same way God looks at us. Now, this is where it gets critical because in chapters 6, 7, and 8, we're going to learn how God looks at us. Look over at chapter 6, just real quick. Look at verse 8. 6, 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Well, are we dead with Christ? Well, verse 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 says yes. You are. Then what do we know? What do we also believe? We're going to do what? We're going to live with him. Resurrection. Knowing. See verse 9? Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Do we know that Christ is never going to die again? Yeah. He died once for all, but he died one time. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin. How many times? Once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. He died, but he liveth. So how did, what happened? Resurrection, the newness of life, right? Now watch verse 11. 
So we know, we, we understand verse 8 and 9 and 10, right? We understand that. We see that. We believe that. So what does Paul say? Verse 11, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon, count it to be so. When, how you just see the illustration, as it is with Christ, so it is with you. And what are you to do with that? Well, if I do a good work, then everything will be good. No, what do you do? You relax and you say, you know what, let's do verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And you're, see that, as those that are alive. It's all, you're to be looking at yourself, how God looks at you. How does God look at you? As a saint, as a child, as, a, as, a, as an adult in his family. So we should be looking at ourselves that way. Now, that doesn't mean that if you sin or mess up in your thinking that you don't go, ah, that's okay, that's cool, we can keep doing it. No. What do you do? You do verse 12, 13, and 14. <laughs> you come in and you correct the bad behavior. You sit there and say, you know what? That wasn't right to do, so let's not do that anymore. Let's fix it, and let's just keep moving. But what do I have? I have eternal life. Why? Chapter 5, verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might what? Grace reigned through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, the source is him, not you. So when you begin to think about who, if you begin to think about yourself the way God thinks about you, then, think, then this stuff becomes a, this natural relationship that we have now by nature becomes a whole becomes a glorious wonderful thing rather than a stupor where you're constantly worrying about you know okay if i do this is he going to be mad at me he's not mad at you he naturally sees us as his righteous one he looks at us and says they have my righteousness they're mine they are my body so verse 12 wherefore You remember Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet? Wherefore, wherefore art thou, Romeo? It's not wherefore, it's, it's this word. Well, it's not where are you, Romeo? The question is, is why are you Romeo? You remember the story, Romeo and Juliet? You know, forbidden love, can't get married, they're on wrong sides of the tracks, wrong family. And yet, what do they do? What does she say? Why are you my Romeo? Why couldn't it be somebody else? Why is it you? What's the purpose? Wherefore? What's the, pur what's the reasoning here? Why? And that's the issue with the wherefore. What's going on here? We're, we're going to see why there was a natural enmity between God and man. Why? It started with who? Adam, again, it's not about what you're doing, <laughs> but the issue is who are you? When it comes to justification, the issue has never been what are you doing to get saved? 
What are you doing to stay saved? The issue in justification has always been, who are you? Well, naturally, who are you? A sinner. You belong to Adam. And yet God in his wisdom has established this issue of this relationship. And he says, wherefore, why the enmity? If you look back up at verse 6, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the what, who? The ungodly. Verse 8, we're sinners. Verse 10, we're enemies. We've got this relationship of what? Ungodly, without strength. Ephesians, come over to Ephesians 2. Enemies, sinners. Look at Ephesians 2. Verse 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. There's where you're at. That's where you were, past. Drop down to verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were two words that are very critical that we just kind of skip over. By what? By nature the children of wrath, even as other. There's a natural, a nature, there's a natural root cause to why there's an enmity between God and men, God and the sinner. And what Romans 5 is going to do is, you know what? He's going to drive home the fact that that natural enmity has nothing to do with you and your good works. It has everything to do with who you are. Because when you get justified, guess who you are? You have a new identity. By the way, that's what chapter six, seven, and eight's about, is that new identity. You have a new identity. Come back to Romans five. So Paul's gonna use, ends the section, ends this great section here with an argument that's going to demonstrate that the issue has always been about who you are by nature. Who are you? You're dead in trespasses and sins. You belong to Adam. But, we didn't read Ephesians 2, 4, but the mercy of God. (laughs) But, But being justified now, who are you? By nature, you're a member of the church, the body of Christ. By nature now, you are a new identity. You're a new creature. You're a new man. By nature. By nature, you belong to Adam and your sin. You come to Calvary, get justified, get a new identity. Now, by nature, you are over here. A few years ago, we studied the two natures of the believer. Got the old sin nature and the new man. Now, we're going to talk about the new man. Okay, follow that, what's happening here, I hope. (laughs) I got like eight pages of notes here, so let's get, I hope you get it. Again, it's not what you're doing. And that's what makes this so wonderful, because if I told you you had to hop down, if you had to put one foot in and shake it all about, put another foot in and shake, you know, next thing you know, you're doing the splits. But I didn't tell you which foot did I. So did he say left or right? Which one do we do? How, am, am I, do, I sh- do I shake it oval, counterclockwise, or clockwise? I'm thinking about game night. <laughs> Clock, how do we do this? See, 
Paul says, no, Romans 5 says, none of that has anything to do with justification. Now it's the issue of by nature. There's no, perform, no system of performance that can re- remedy the natural identity that exists, which is an atom. It's in your DNA. You ever think, I, we've talked about DNA here in the past. I have blue eyes. One of my daughters has blue eyes. The other daughter has a different color of eyes. Why? DNA. Okay. Does she not have blue? She has blue eyes too? Okay, thank you. I knew they were different. (laughs) I don't stare long and deep into my daughter's eyes, but I did know they were different. But you know what? Why? You know that my daughters can put on contact lenses and change the color of their eyes, but when they take the contact lens off, what color are their eyes? Blue and green. See? It's in your DNA. It's going to take a radical change of your DNA, right, to move you from one to the other. So when you're in Christ, guess what? Here's your DNA now. Your DNA is his DNA. Let that blow your mind for a minute. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that we have the mind of Christ. We have it right now. Problem is, is we've got that other mind too, the limit there. We don't have the new body yet. But what do we have? We have the mind, his mind. Wherefore, here's our guarantee. And again, the issue isn't your activity. I've said this. I'm trying to drive it home. It's about who you are. Are. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We go back, the periscope goes up, the, sh- the boat's not, we're not, we didn't, the submarine hadn't stopped, but the, it's going, the periscope goes up, and where does he take us? He takes us back to Genesis, doesn't he? Go back to Genesis chapter chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And he goes back to Genesis. And you know what? Paul's in demonstrating the, the issue. He says, let's go back and look at from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. You have Adam and Eve, and you have them fall. In verse number 12, the Lord is asking, you know, What'd you do? And the man says, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. You know why we like to pass the buck? Because by nature, what do we have? (laughs) A connection to Adam. And what was the first defense program? The first defense plan in the case, pass the buck. Okay, that's what it is. It's where it comes from. So then verse 17, and he said unto unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground. And off he goes, and and God curses Adam, he curses Eve, and he curses the Satan. Now, come on over to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis 5 verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived a hundred 
and 30 years and begat a son. Now watch, in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. Adam was created in whose image? God's image. Humanity was created in Adam's image because of the, of the transgression of the fall. So when people say, oh, we're made in God's image, yes, but technically you're made in whose image? Adam. By nature, you're the children of wrath, the children of disobedience. <laughs> All right? So Paul takes us back to there and says, hey, back there, God set a plan in the pro, in, into it, and when the, with the fall of humanity, there's this principle here of by nature. Now, come back to Romans 5, all right? And what's going to happen now in the rest of the, the section is Paul's going to begin to draw out a contrast, and he's going to begin to, to make some, some points back and forth here that are going to help us understand this principle of a natural nature relationship between that we had we had at with Adam and we have with Christ notice if you will verse well verse 12 wherefore as by one man you see that as by one man what happened sin entered in we got Adam, the first man. We have an inferior person. We're going to look down. If you look down there at verse 14, the end of that verse, who is a figure of him that was to come, talking about the Lord. Verse 15, uh, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man who? Jesus Christ, there's the superior, see? So we're going to have this contrast. By the way, I meant to say earlier, if you look in verse 15 there, much more the grace, this is much more doctrine. This isn't just saying, okay, yeah, I'm a sinner because I'm related to Adam. This is understanding why that you can make that statement. I don't know if you, you guys, hopefully you read your Bible, First Chronicles 13. Remember in 1 Chronicles 13, they're moving the Ark of the Covenant, and Uzzah reaches out, it's fallen, touches it, and he's instantly killed. And, and, and David is, David's mad, and he's mad at God because all that Uzzah was trying to do was protect the Ark. But what was the rule? Don't mess with the Ark. You got the poles, you got to go through, you got to do this, you got to walk it right and everything. And David sent the ark home with another family. God bless that family, by the way. So how do we get from don't touch the ark to where we're at today? There's a principle that's underlining in all that. And that's what we're getting into. That's what Paul is going to do. There is a, there is a one man that's inferior, and there's a one man that's superior. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is not co-equal with Adam. He transcends Adam. He doesn't come along and he is not the co, he's not the, the, people will say, well, he's the great equalizer. No, he's not. He transcends that. He's much more than 
what we, I don't know if you really kind of think about it. People will say that that's superior, he's the, he's the great equalizer. Like he's going to bring everybody back to zero. But he doesn't just bring you back to zero. He adds to your account. He abounds. It's been imputed to you. I mean, you think about everything that the first man achieved and gained, the Lord does much more. Every, and so consequently, the flip side of that is everything that the first man lost, the Lord does what? Much more. So when you think about this issue, this comparison, as we go down through here, think about what a mess. <laughs> you were doomed. Look at there, verse 12, and death passed, so death passed upon all men. You're condemned. And guess what? It's in your DNA by nature. You're a sinner. Not because of sinful behavior or activity, but because of what? Who you are. That's why I kept saying that. I'm going to repeat it another 10 times. Because the issue isn't, well, I do sinful things because I am a sinner. That's the, the activity in the issue. The issue is you are by nature a sinner. One man, in the passage, Paul uses that phrase, one man, 12 times. And he, that relationship between, our relationship with Adam and our relationship with Christ. Notice in verse 12 there, uh, he says, as. And then he's going to say, so death passed upon. As by one man's sin, so death. The as and the so, the great contrast and comparison. By the way, he does that six times down through the section here. He does one here and so one here. Look down at verse 15. But not as the offense, what? So also is the free gift. You see the not as, not as, this, so also is this. Verse 16, and not as it was by one that sinned, but what? So is the gift. They're similar, yet they're what? Very different. One is inferior, and the other is superior with a much more little coefficient on there, you know. Verse 14 Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. There is great similarities between the two, first Adam and the last. Come over to 1 Corinthians 15. Between the two, but yet they are not even on the same page with what they do. Is, this, is any of this making any sense to anybody? Okay. <laughs> Somebody at least help me. <laughs> it is to me, but, you know, when, you, uh, when, you, when I understand it, and I'm like, right, how do I articulate all this? And I'm just trying to give the overview. Next, like I said, next couple of weeks we'll go down through some of it. 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 45. 1545. And so it is written, the first man, Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening 
spirit. Think about that. What did 5.12 tell us? By Adam, what passed to all men? Death, sin, death, right? He's a living soul, but yet what's his end? Death. The second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a what? A quickening spirit. He, he gives life. He conquered death at Calvary, and what does he do now? He gives life. Much more. Verse 46. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And after that, which is spiritual. So we got a natural, we got a spiritual. Verse 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from where? From heaven. Isn't that interesting? See, earth, heaven, keep reading. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And, and as we have borne the image of the earthy, have we? Yes. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly. That's what Romans 5 is laying in in principle. That's what Romans 6, 7, and 8 is going to develop. The first Adam, the earthy guy, you were that. You were dead. You're death. Death is your end result. But by being justified unto eternal life, now we have by nature his life. So guess where we're headed? Heaven. Follow that? That's what's happening here. And that's the, that's the issue here that Romans 5 is beginning to develop out for us. And that issue there is, oh, I didn't do that one. Oh, we got to go back and do that. That issue there, again, is we've got Adam and we've got Christ. Now go back to Romans 5. Romans 5. I skipped a whole page of notes, and you've got to have this, because <laughs> this is critical. Look at Romans 5. Again, so we've got, notice verse 13. This is what's critical. Notice how verse 13 starts. Starts with the parenthesis, doesn't it? The parenthesis runs all the way down to the end of verse 17. Okay? When you think about... See, now we got, I messed up because we were, what we were talking about a minute ago. Adam is inferior. The Lord is superior, much more, okay? When people say he's the great equalizer, people will say, with, by Adam, sin entered in the world, yet much more. The impact now of the second man does much more than the first man did. He brings us back. Does, does he, how far does sin take us in, into debt? All the way. So what people say, theology says, is that the Lord Jesus Christ brings us back to zero. Romans 5 is going to say, no, he doesn't. He does much more. And that's the parenthesis. Okay? From 13 to 17. In grammar, a parenthesis talks about added information. You, you can leave it or pull it out. But in mathematics, you can't pull the parenthesis out. In mathematics, 
it, contain, it, it says something different, doesn't it? You remember the procedures of the operations of mathematics? Okay. You know, what's the first thing you do? The stuff that's in what? Parenthesis. Then you do the, the exponents, and then you, it's, uh, I forgot how to do the acronym. <laughs> if you Google it, it's there, okay? But the first thing in is parenthesis, and I don't have my phone up here. So if you do, a, if you do 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 2 equals, you're going to go 1 plus 5 plus 2 equals what? equals the 8, because you do this first. Now, if you threw a multiplication there, you would do that, and then you would come here, and that's what, 10, and then you would go like that, see? Because you, you, you do them in order. The first order is the parenthesis in mathematics. Think about where we're at. The parenthesis here isn't information just to have in there or not have in there, but this is information that you need to have in order to come to the conclusion of verse 21. That sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to have the parenthesis. I know, like I said, you can, you can read by the way, if you read verse 12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Verse 18, therefore, as by the offense of one judgment. You go, huh? See, it's not, there's, not, there's not a flow. You have to have the stuff in the parenthesis. The parenthesis, you have to understand that first. And that's why eternal security is guaranteed. It's because of the information in the parenthesis. Okay? All right? Um, the operations of mathematics, it's like P-E-M. Please excuse my something because then you, you know, it's, it's uh, anyway, I'm reaching back over the memory and it isn't there. <laughs> Somebody Google it and tell me right what it is. All right, in just a minute. Okay, back up to verse 12. Make sure I didn't forget anything else. <laughs> Six times, one man. Six times, as and so. That's why... All of this is so important. Our by nature in Adam is completely and so different than our nature in Christ, who we are. That's why verse 1, 5, 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace where we stand and what? Rejoice. That's why in verse 5, he talks about the love, his, the, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy. All that we have has to do because of a natural, a nature relationship that we have 
in Christ. And that's what Paul's going to drive home. And because we do, because we are justified, all right, unto eternal life, now we have this relationship with Christ. And because we have this relationship with Christ, we then have eternal life. And that's the guarantee. Twelve times one man, six times as and so. Uh, Verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Three times he uses that free gift phrase. Keep reading. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the, the gift. Six times the gift. Verse 16, 17, 18. You can't miss this as we're going to go through it. And again, the question is, is how many times does God have to tell you? (laughs) Well, apparently quite a bit because he's going to mention it over and over and over again. The very nature of grace demands that God gives you something independent of your involvement, quote, unquote. That's the very nature of grace. That's why I kept saying it ain't about what you're doing. It's about who you are. There are two men listed here. And it's critical to see these guys and how they're going to function and work together. Again, no individual remedy is required or allowed. It doesn't matter what you do. The issue is who you are. The other thing that happens in this chapter, other than that, is the issue that being in Christ isn't limited to a certain local culture, tribe, clan, people, or nation. It's what? Global. It's universal. All men, there, verse 12, all men. He comes in and there and uh, if you're in Christ, it's abounded in the end of verse 15 there, the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto, why would it say many? Because not all are justified. Only though it's unto all, but upon all them that believe, you see. It's made available to the world. It's just only going to be imputed, applied to those who believe. That's why the debt of sin, God doesn't just bring you back to zero. He then much mores you into his life. Paying, paying the debt, the sin debt is one thing. But he says, I paid that. Ephesians 1 I paid that, but I also then blessed you with all spiritual blessings. I made you much more. And that's why we get, that's why this section leads us into chapter 6, 7, and 8, because guess what we're going to learn? Some of the much more. We get those principles laid in. The issue is being in Christ. Adam's life defines the future for his descendants, verse 12. It's been passed upon who? All men, everybody. If you're in Adam, where are you going to go? 
death. That's the result. But if you're in Christ, his life defines the future for all who believe in him. And that's that issue in verse 21 of righteousness unto eternal life. Again, you can't leave Romans 5 thinking that good works are going to get you anywhere. All right? Now, when you come back up to verse 12, and we begin to drop, draw the comparison back and forth, that's what we're going to see. Now, we're going to stop a few minutes early because I don't want to get into the comparison and then have to stop in eight minutes, okay? And I'll give you eight minutes back because it's Thanksgiving. In everything, give thanks, <laughs> for this is the will of God concerning you, okay? But just read this passage. Don't, don't skip over the parenthesis because as we begin to do it, if you look at verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, there's a great thing here, the as and the so, the whole section is tremendous. And what happens is, is when you think about the, the, the DNA, the nature, by nature, I was this, I was that, I'm now this. I'm going to think about me this way, not this way. And what begins to happen then is in your thinking becomes revolution. You become radically changed in your thinking because we always think over here. But when we begin to think about who we are in Christ much more, then life takes on a little different hiccup. <laughs> okay? All right, dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word and for the look here and for the introduction to this last section in Romans so that we can rejoice in the glorious truth of our justification by faith unto eternal life and that security that we have in that. In your name we pray, amen. All right.